life. Every week I come to the service on Sunday morning saying the exact same thing. Lord, I need life today. I am dying. Isn't that what you say? You come to the service. I need the word of God to fill my heart. I need, I need the worship of the saints to drive me to my creator and my savior. And uh, I see that every single day in our world that we live in. So that we may have life. It's the very reason John writes this book. John 20, 30 through 31. John writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Church, we the people of God have life. Amen? John gloriously answers the question, who is this Jesus? Two weeks ago, we looked at John chapter one and Jesus is God. He is the word who is made flesh and through him all things were created. Through him all things hold together. And just as he brought life in and through his creation, he brings eternal life to those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. Last week I heard Scott preach and it was a great sermon on living for eternity, dying to self and finding true life in Christ and not in this world. A great reminder for us. And this morning we turn to chapter 5 of the book of John and the context we find ourselves in is where Jesus heals a man who has not walked for 38 years. But in this healing that Jesus performs, it is done on the Sabbath. So some of the Jewish leaders are upset. They're even seeking to kill him, not only for him doing this on the Sabbath, but also he's making himself equal with God, calling God his own Father, that's the narrative in which we find in our story. And then in verse 32, Jesus says, there is another who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony he bears about me is true. And Jesus begins to bear witness or tell of the testimony of himself and who he is. And he gives us three witnesses that the Father has given to the people that Jesus is who he says he is. The very Son of God. So Jesus doesn't just testify to himself about who he is, but the Father is testifying through three ways. The first is John the Baptist, 
who is the forerunner to Christ, who points Jesus, points us to Jesus, the very Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The second way that uh, Jesus gives as the Father's witness that Jesus is who he says he is, is Jesus' miracles in which only God the Father could do. Jesus says these are even greater than John the Baptist's witness of who he is. And then the last one is the Old Testament scriptures in which point to Jesus. And that's where we will begin our study today. The Old Testament scriptures pointing us to Christ. Now it's so interesting because these Jewish leaders, these religious leaders are the same leaders that accepted John the Baptist at some points as a prophet of God. Mark even writes that uh, Jesus says, do you believe that John is a prophet from God or not? And they say, well, if we say no, then the people will revolt against us. If we say yes, then we'll, well... He's pointing us to Jesus, so Jesus has to be true, so they don't answer the question. But Jesus, John the Baptist, is accepted by the Jewish people as a prophet. They also witnessed the miracles that Jesus did, and they accepted the Old Testament scriptures as given by God, as authority of God, and yet they missed Jesus. How can that be? How can they see John the Baptist as a prophet? How can they see the miracles of Jesus? How can they receive and study the Old Testament scriptures as the very word of God, and yet miss the Messiah? Miss the promised one, Jesus himself. A lot of people are searching for life in our world today and are missing Jesus. Let us not miss Jesus for who he is. Let's turn to John chapter 5, verse 39 this morning. That's the context we find ourselves in which Jesus speaks to the Jewish people. Let's stand in honor of reading God's word as we believe that this Word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing our hearts, showing us who God is. Let's look at verse 39, John chapter 5, verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Man, that's tough to hear. I have come in my Father's name and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another? And do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, 
for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Father, we ask that you would reveal to us the scriptures. Help us to understand, Father. Help us to see. Help us to hear. Help us to to know you, Father, intimately. Help us to believe and trust in you so that we may have life. And Father, as we hear the witness about Christ from the scriptures, help us to increase our faith and see Jesus for who he is so that we may worship him with our entire being, entire life, all that we have for the glory of God. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Open our eyes to your truth. Open our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A teenager was on a family vacation and they were at a plunge pool. It was a beautiful 25-foot waterfall in which um, the, the family was having this great family time. They were swimming alone at this waterfall in this dark, cold water when the 15-year-old boy boldly asked his parents, can I go to the top of the 25-foot waterfall and jump into the murky, dark, cold water? To their response, they said that what any parent would say at this point We don't know what's on the bottom, son. There may be rocks down there. We don't want you to break anything, right? And uh, which it seemed at that point in time seemed suffice for the moment, only for the noon hour to come. What seemed to be construction workers took off their boots and their jeans and began jumping off the waterfall 25 feet above into the dark pool. There was no excuses left for the parents as the boy climbed to the top and his parents said to him, Son, there is only one condition in which you will not jump off this waterfall. He explained, what is that? And the dad said, we won't film it. And we won't post it to social media, son. You're going to enjoy it with your family. And at that moment, the boy threw his arms up in exasperation. Well, what's the point then, dad? As if there was no reason to jump if it could not be posted on his Instagram account. It is the mantra of our world today. If there is no glory in it for me, why do it? If I can't post it to my social media account, why would I do it? If no one is watching me do it, why would I do it? If I can't get more fame or glory from it, then why would I do that? 
Unfortunately, like the scribes and the Pharisees in the text this morning, searching for glory for ourselves will cause us to be blinded to the glory of God. And it will cause us to miss Jesus altogether. Jesus tells the Pharisees and the religious leaders in verse 37 and 38. Let me read it for you. And the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Basically, Jesus is telling the people who have spent their entire life reading the scriptures, you are deaf, you are blind, you're spiritually broke because the word of God is not in you and you're dead because you do not believe. You are Helen Keller, if you will. Because you're so concerned with yourself, you failed to recognize God in the flesh and dwelling among you. Church, this is not just for the first century Jews. This is for the church today. Let's talk about these guys for a minute. Before we write them off as some distant, unrelatable character. They were disciplined in their Bible reading. They were committed to their prayer life. They were bold for Yahweh God. They were zealous for the scriptures. They were seemingly committed to the God of the Bible. They were willing to confront others for their lack of conformity to the truths of Scripture. They were always at religious events. And they were always at the religious gatherings. They were biblically literate. They were up to date on their contemporary theology. Their lives were characterized by their religion. Yet they failed to see to hear and to understand who Jesus was and because of their lack of faith, never experienced life. Church, we we cannot miss this. We cannot. Focus upon all of these things and miss what we are here to do and who Jesus is. Chapter 5, verse 39 says this You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. This is our first point this morning. Religious people can be without life if they miss Christ. If they refuse to come 
to Jesus. How, how can someone be in the scriptures and miss Christ? How can someone be in church every Sunday and yet miss life and abundant life in Christ? Well, I'll tell you the reason why this section is because the motivation of their heart was not a love for Christ. They depended on upon themselves. And they found no need for Jesus. Jesus became not beautiful or desirable or even someone they longed to be with. And as a result, they ended up rejecting him altogether. The motivation for being in the word was not a love of God. It was a love for themselves. Whenever I see people walking away from the church, it saddens my heart because I feel like somehow they've lost the reason why they're here. Because if you are truly here in the gathering of believers for any other reason than Christ, guess what? The church will fail you. The pastors will fail you. The congregants in the church will fail you. The church won't be big enough. The church won't be small enough. The church music won't be right. The church architecture won't be what I desire. The preacher will be too long or the preacher will be too short. They will serve donuts or they will not serve donuts. You see, our goal at Northwest Baptist Church is to love Christ and live his mission. Two words very difficult to do. Love and live. And all of this flows out of who Christ is. You see, if you understand who Christ is and the gospel message in which he came, then you can love and the beauty of Christ drives every single area of your life. You see, if you see Christ as the eternal, uncreated God who came down from heaven to take on flesh, to live a sinless life, to bring light into a dark world, to save sinners from sin, to bring dead people deserving the eternal wrath of God to life through his death upon the cross, how can you not love Jesus? How can you not want to live your life for him? 
When the gospel comes alive in your heart and your mind and you see who Christ is. Doesn't that make you want to live in him? Because the spirit of the living God then fills you and causes you not to live for yourself, but for the Lord. Ultimately, your living in this world will bring to, will be for others to hear about Jesus. So that you can bring them into the glorious presence of God for all eternity. Because that's what you long to do. People talk about heaven and hell all the time. And the reality is, if you desire to be with Jesus, you desire to be in heaven. If you desire to be not in the presence of God, you desire to be in hell. If you desire to be in heaven so that you can do what you want to do, play golf for all eternity and, you know, listen to your talk show, whatever it is, then you're going to heaven for not the reason in which heaven exists. Heaven exists so that you can be in the presence of the almighty God for all eternity. And so... We don't want to be these people that want to go to heaven for another reason in which heaven is created. Let's take a gospel test, okay? Basically, to see if Christ is your first love or your your walk with Christ is just for yourself. All right? And self-assessment is good. Let's ask it. Do you read your Bible to rid you of your guilt so you can check it off? Or to earn heaven for yourself? Or because you love Jesus? Do you pray to rid your guilt or earn heaven? Or because you are so madly in love with who God is and what he has done because you love Jesus? Do you do ministry to rid you of your guilt, of your sin, or to try to earn heaven, earn your good ways or good works towards heaven? Well, because you love Jesus. Do you evangelize? Do you go to people and share the gospel because you feel guilty about that? Or you, you want to somehow earn God's love from that or because you love Jesus? Do you give money to your church to rid you of your guilt? To earn heaven or because you love Jesus? Do you, do you come to church, Northwest Baptist or any other church, to rid you of your guilt or to try and earn your way to heaven, or because you love Jesus. You see, searching the scriptures is a great thing. 
Yet the Pharisees and the scribes missed Jesus because they made it about themselves rather than coming to Jesus because they loved him and recognized who he is. Verse 30, 41, I do not receive glory from people. Now we're gonna be talking about glory here. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Again, what did we just ask? Do you love Jesus? Verse 43, I've come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. How can you believe when you're trying to seek glory from one another? This is point number two. People seeking glory from one another miss the glory of God. People seeking glory from one another miss the glory of God. The, the cultural pervading idea, and this is uh, most prevalent in California, but it has come here to our city, to our community, to our schools, to our neighborhood, to our, our neighbors, to our homes, to our phones, is the idea that there is no absolute truth. It's a postmodern thought process And it means that each person determines what is right and wrong for themselves. I determine what is good for me. You determine what's good for you. There's no absolute truth. And society has accepted this idea and has become the way of the world. For example, each person decides what is right in their own eyes. And they say, well, that is their truth, okay? You may have heard this. You may have seen this. It's just like judges. There was no king in Israel. They did what was right in their own eyes, right? That is our society today. And you say, where do you see that? Well, uh, For example, a person who is a man wants to swim as a woman and then they compete in the NCAA championships and no one says no, right? You see that, you understand that. That's the postmodern thought process that is now pervading all of society to the point where the NCAA does nothing about it. But the whole demonic realm is built around Satan's desire to be God himself, to determine what is right and wrong in his own eyes. And this was true in Eden. Eat the fruit and you yourself will be like God, knowing good and evil. This idea of determining right and wrong for ourselves is demonic. It is a rejection of the one and only God and the truth that he has revealed in scripture. And we must rebel against this idea that the only authority we have in our lives is ourself. We must say 
that there is a good God who determines what is right and wrong and we submit to him out of love because we trust that he is good. Look at verse 44. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? To be consumed with self-glory Self-magnification is to be blind to the glory of Christ. This has always been a temptation for man. Seeking their own glory rather than seeking the glory of God. That's the heart behind the Tower of Babel. Let us make a name for ourselves that this tower may reach heaven, Babel, Babylon, the world. That is the entire thought process of the world. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us seek our own glory. The way in which our culture tears us from seeking the glory of God is this device right here, okay? An article from Desiring God reads this. Smartphones prick the primitive human impulse for appreciation. The form of an image of myself, a self-replication in order to be seen, known, and loved. Through constant contact with other seekers of affirmation, this is the cause number one for smartphone abuse. We crave admiration from one another, so we cultivate an inordinate desire for human approval through our social media platforms. So in essence, what do we do? We are consumed with self-glory. Therefore, we take out the image of God in which God has created us to reflect His glory And we replace it with an idol of ourself to replicate our own glory to all the world. So instead of leading people to worship the creator God, we're leading people to worship the creation itself. This is anti-gospel, it is anti-Christ. And Jesus is addressing it right here. Remember, the beginning of the book, John recounts the glory of God in Christ Jesus. He says in verse 14 of chapter 1, And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You're searching for life. Life is found in the beauty and the majesty, the power, the peace of God in Christ Jesus himself. He is glorious and worthy to make his name great. Yet when we're seeking that which is meant for God, 
to reflect his glorious nature and seeking glory for ourselves, we become blind to who Jesus is and our worship is barren and fruitless. So the end of the matter is this. Whether you eat or drink or text or tweet or snap or gram or instant message or TikTok, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Amen? John Piper says this, when you have tasted the beauty of God and the approval of God in Christ, the addiction to human approval is broken and you are set free. Verse 45 says this, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And this is our last point this morning, it's thus. The Bible, the whole Bible, the entirety of the Bible points us to life that is found in Jesus. Whole Bible points us to life in Jesus. This is shocking for a first century Jew to say, Moses is going to judge you because he points to me. I'm saddened by this whole section people who have the very word of God and miss life because they miss Jesus in the scriptures. One of the reasons we have been doing the study on the Old Testament this whole year, which we'll go through the entire Old Testament this year, is that very fact. I do not want you to miss the beauty of Jesus in the scriptures, in Moses' writings. The Old Testament is pointing us to the Messiah. It's pointing us to the Son of God who will come. It's pointing us to the one who will come from Bethlehem through the line of David who will be the King of kings and Lord of lords, the suffering servant from Isaiah. He will be from a virgin. His name will be Emmanuel. The whole sacrificial system will point to the lamb who was slain, the Passover and the festivals, all pointing to the life of Christ. Even the law and the Ten Commandments point us to Jesus in that the purpose of the law was to reveal man's sinfulness and inability to save himself. Paul writes in Galatians 3.24, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. That word guardian can also be translated schoolmaster. It was our teacher. It was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified to faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. The law was pointing us to Christ, our need for 
God's salvation through his gift of Jesus upon the cross. Last time we were together, we talked about the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man goes to hell, the poor man, Lazarus, goes to heaven to be with Abraham and Lazarus, when he realizes there's no way to cross over, he asks for just one drop of water. Lazarus can't cross over and he realizes he can't come to heaven. He says, I have five brothers. Someone needs to go and tell them to repent and turn from their way and seek God's way. And, And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. The same words Jesus uses here. They have Moses and the prophets. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. What a tragedy to have the scriptures in front of us and yet not have life. Be dead. God gives life to our souls through us seeing and hearing and believing in Jesus and who he is. There may be someone in this room this morning saying, I've been seeking my own glory my entire life. And I have just now been confronted with the grace of God and the truth of the word of God of who Jesus is. And I must repent and believe upon Christ for salvation. I must seek the glory of God because he is worthy of that. There's others in this room who may have been saved and yet they still are the center of their own life. And they desperately need Christ to be in the center so that they may live for the glory of God and have life in his name. Their hearts need a surgery. They need God to take out the plaque of the world its desire to receive glory for themselves and seek the glory of God in their own life. My challenge to you is to confess your sin, to repent or turn, to change your mind from your own way and place God as the center of your life. 
to come to Jesus humbly, asking him for salvation, asking him for restoration, asking him for forgiveness, so that you may have life. John 12, 23 says this, the hour has come, Scott said this last week, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified to give his life as a ransom for many. For our life to be lived for the glory of God, it means we must give our life to the almighty God to be used for his purposes and his glory. Let us pray. Father, we thank you.